Ryan Kelly grew up riding his bike all over town. And by all over, I mean all over. Ortonville, a Minnesota community of 2,000 people. Most days, Ryan had some place to be. Big Stone, a lake on the edge of town, essentially a wide spot in the Minnesota River that divides Minnesota and South Dakota. It's 26 miles long and roughly one mile wide. Ryan's fishy playground growing up. Now, all grown up, he wants everyone to better understand the magic of that prairie lake. Today, Ryan's story and his passion for guiding. Are you on the hunt for a perfect gift? Well, this year, give your loved one a gift that never goes out of style and will last forever. Give them a lifetime hunting or fishing license. A lifetime license just might be the best gift they ever receive. The Minnesota DNR offers a variety of lifetime licenses that include fishing, small game, sportsman, deer hunting, and more. Costs vary by age, and it really pays off big time to purchase a lifetime license for youngsters. Get this, a lifetime license purchased for a Minnesotan age three or younger will pay itself off in about 15 years. That means from about age 30 on, their fishing license will be free the rest of their life. If they move out of state, their license is still valid when they come back forever. My kids have lifetime sportsman's licenses. And last year we bought one for my nephew and my dad too. I just can't think of a better gift to give to someone that loves the outdoors. The memories that we make together in the field and on the water are priceless. A lifetime license makes the outdoors accessible forever. Learn more at mndnr.gov slash lifetime. That's mndnr.gov slash lifetime. I'm Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. I fish, I hunt, I camp, and I tell stories. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound Podcast, the stories behind the stories. All right, Ryan, all grown up nowadays, but back then, what kind of bike did you ride? Do you remember what it was? A giant 225, MX 225, one-speed mountain bike. Yeah, yeah, it was it was nice. It was a good present. Man, when I was a kid, I had a girl's Schwinn. It was red, thank goodness, and I bought a little post that you could screw into the bike to make it look like a boy's bike because I wanted to be cool. So you definitely had a nicer <laughs> ride than me. I, you just rode around Ortonville, just being a kid. Well, yeah, Ortonville's a small town. It was only 2,200 people or so. So, it, you know, pretty safe out in the prairie, uh, long ways from anything metro. So, you know, if, anywhere you need to get to, you could get to in a couple minutes on a bike. And as a kid, you know, you kind of just went all over the place. But for the most part, I I went to the lake a lot, did a lot of fishing on Big Stone, went down to the bait shop quite a bit. Uh, we go get snacks, go to the pizza ranch. You know, that's that's kind of what you do as a kid in town there. <laughs> uh, as you're riding around town hauling fishing rods, one rod, a couple of rods. Did you have a tackle one bag? Rod. <laughs> one okay. rod. That's that's plenty. You know, you, you try bringing more than one rod, but eventually you settle on one rod. <laughs> and, and did you have a special fishing spot? Not really. You know, you would go down to the foot of the lake or the pier or possibly the dam. You know, the dam runs out of the south end of the lake. 
usually one of those three spots if I was going to go on my bike. That's where I would go to. The bridge. And you'd, and you'd catch fish? Oh, yeah. You know, Ortonville, Big Stone was uh, an incredible walleye fishery in the 90s. And the neat thing about the walleyes on Big Stone Lake is they've, you know, excluding midsummer, throughout most of the year, they, they're they pretty close to the shorelines. You could get on some pretty good action right from the bridge. You could get on fish at the dam. You could get on fish at the pier. I mean, they, even just the docks down at the foot, you could get on fish in the spring and the fall, definitely. Sometimes midsummer you could, but there were other opportunities midsummer as well. And what kind of fish were you catching? Well, at that time, it was mostly wall, mostly walleyes. You catch raw fish too. You know, there's tons of sheephead in the lake. Sometimes you get into the, the white bass, and Ortonville they call them silver bass. Everywhere else in the world, apparently they call them white bass, but silver bass—that's what we catch. You know, whatever you could get, but you catch a fair amount of walleyes at that time. It to give you a little perspective, in the '90s, Big Stone Lake had more walleyes per acre than any other lake in Minnesota. And it was chock full of walleyes in the 90s and even into the early 2000s. So getting into a couple of walleyes typically wasn't that big of a deal on that lake at that time. You know, most kids riding around on bicycles, hauling their fishing rod out to the local lake, don't have that tone. They'd be lucky to catch a couple of bluegills or a perch, something like that. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah. You know, it, it's not like every day you're going down to the lake and getting a limit. But if you go in the evening, yeah, you could definitely get a couple fish. That, that wasn't too big of a deal. And, you know, there are plenty of days where you get skunked or you get sidetracked and do something different. But uh, you, you had some pre, pretty fair success on the walleyes as a kid growing up there. All right. Sure. So you grow up, become an adult. Do you move away? Do you stay there? What was life like? So I went to college for a couple of years in Wilmer. And then after that, I went up to Mille Lacs and I've been up at Mille Lacs, fishing Mille Lacs, you know, ever since. That's where I do a lot of my summer guiding now. Or that's where I do all of my summer guiding now at this point. But I left Ortonville, went to college, went to Mille Lacs. Um, for a period of time, I went out to the oil field when the Bakken was booming. And then when that slowed down, I came back to the area. And then I started, um, working at a place called Mel's sport shop for a couple of years. And then I had an opportunity, a friend of mine, Matt Trino, who guides on Mille Lacs and he's been guiding up here for a long time. Uh, he said that he couldn't keep up and he needed somebody to help him. And I had been guiding on Mille Lacs, you know, kind of on weekends here and there for years. So I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll take a leap and see if I can do it full time. So five years ago or so, I started doing it full time and it's been gangbusters ever since. I've never looked back. So I do Mille Lacs in the summer and then in the winter, I do Big Stone and Mille Lacs. And the, the big reason I do Big Stone is because I, I like the perch and the pan fishing out there. It's a lot of fun on ice. Guiding is not an easy gig. What? What no. in you <laughs> drove you to want to do that? I mean, was it something you were thinking about as a kid or did it just pop up? Uh, you know, I've always been about the fishing. You know, as a kid, I like the hunting too, but I've always been about the fishing. And 
I just, I knew that I had to be fishing one way or another. I remember as a kid, I, it was like, oh, I want to be a guide or I want to have a fishing show or, you know, you have these kid thoughts. <laughs> and, um, you know, as you start to grow up, you're like, man, is that really a viable option? You know, how, how many trips does a guy have to take to make that work? So you kind of almost, dis, almost dissuade yourself out of it. Like, man, that's got to be really tough to get into. But fortunately, you know, I had a friend who helped me get into it on a, a bigger level than just weekends and it made it a viable option. Then I put in a ton of work on my end, uh, through marketing and videos and other stuff that I do. And I've really built it up into now it's, it's a legitimate full-time deal. I mean, it's every day during the summer and, um, this last couple of years, it's starting to become about as much as I can do in the winter too. Did your parents ever have an opinion uh you you know i didn't really talk about it as much with my mom but i talked about it with my dad you know as a kid you you sit there in the truck or at home and your dad goes oh what what do you want to do or what are are you thinking about when you grow up and like i don't know i want to be a fishing guide Uh, i don't know about that (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you know it's he's he's not wrong it's a hard gig and you got to build up a client base and there's a lot that goes into it there's a lot of expense there's there's a lot more than simply fishing the fishing you know at, at a certain point the fishing becomes the easy part and you know, he explained that to me. And as a kid, you kind of, that's part of your dissuasion. You're like, oh, maybe that isn't such a great idea. But if you really go at it full force, you can make it a viable deal. And that's what you've become. And again, it's, it's summer on open water, Malax, winter back home on Big Stone. Why, why the back and forth? I just, I like the ice fishing perch, you know, and the perch and big bluegills on ice can be a ton of fun. You know, Mille Lacs, you do a lot of chasing walleyes. There's some perch fishing here too. We did pretty well on perch here this last year, but Mille Lacs is more of a walleye lake, especially the last decade. And it's fun early on, but as you get later, um, the consistency of perch fishing on Big Stone is very alluring to me. It's a it's a big draw, especially for a guide, because you want consistent action. And going out and catching perch on Big Stone, it's a lot of fun. It's really rewarding. Some days you got to work at it. You got to move around. You got to look for fish. And it can be a lot. But once you get on them, you know, a lot of things can happen in a hurry. And a day can be made up for in just an hour in the evening. So the perch, the perch make life easy and they're a ton of fun and they're delicious to eat. Everybody loves them. People, people enjoy perch fishing. People get a big kick out of it. So we need to thank a couple of sponsors real quick, but when we come back, I want to talk to you more about the perch fishing and why it's so fun, because part of this is it's a visual game versus staring down an empty ice hole you're actually seeing the fish we'll talk about that when we come back but first we want to thank some of the sponsors that help make the minnesota bound podcast uh such a fun endeavor we get to you every week up first on my list of course it's no secret i am a fan of Connecticut water in fact the entire shirk family 
our fans. You know, we've been at the cabin this fall to rake leaves and pull the dock. Now we're into hunting season. Lakes are starting to ice up. And that means Connecticut water in the woods. Last summer, we were lucky enough to add Connecticut water at the cabin. And what a difference it has made. For as long as I can remember, we've dealt with that stinky, foul well water. But really, after a painless four-hour installation, we had Connecticut soft water and also Connecticut's K5 drinking system. No more bottled water at the cabin to try and make early morning coffee before fishing. We get great drinking water right out of the K5 tap. Our laundry no longer smells funky, and Connecticut water cleaned up the showers and also our dishes. The world's most efficient worry-free water system. Visit Connecticut.com to find a dealer near you and join the Connecticut family. Also, a big shout out to our friends at Heat Hog. Heat Hog, the hottest name in portable propane heaters. More reliable, wider heat area, and packed with features for hunting, camping, fishing, tailgating, workshops, and job sites. Tired of melted ice at your feet in your pop-up ice shelter? Heat Hog is the only heater with adjustable tilt that sends the heat exactly where you want it. Heat your body, not just your feet. You want more features? Heat Hog keeps your fuel warm for longer runtime per tank. Plus, these portable units blast heat to a 33% wider area than the competition. With three different models to choose from, there is a heat hog just the right size for you to get easy-to-use, portable, reliable heat. Stay warmer, longer with heat hog. Visit heathog.com and order one today with free shipping. Heat hog, the only one that tilts. Hey there, Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. Propane, it's clean, efficient fuel produced right here in the United States. Schedule your propane service with a friend. Lakes Gas, a family-owned provider serving the upper Midwest for more than 60 years. 54 convenient locations in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Now with offices in North Dakota and South Dakota, too. Lakes Gas employees live in the communities they serve, so you can expect personalized service from professionals. Oh, and the Lakes Gas offers competitive pricing without all the extras that tend to drive up fuel prices. Safe, dependable service. Lakes Gas, the right choice for your home, business, or farm. Visit lakesgas.com and join the family. Ryan Kelly is my guest today. You and I have been lucky enough to spend just a little bit of time on the ice fishing you introduced me to big stone perch fishing. It's kind of your specialty during the winter season. It is amazing how interactive that kind of fishing is. You know, the old joke about ice fishing, you're staring down an empty hole, but when <laughs> you go perch fishing, it's nothing like that. No, not at all. Um, you can make it like that if you want, <laughs> especially if you're kind of lazy, you can, you can sit in a spot and stare down a hole. But if you want to get on perch, perch move around a lot. And if you're willing to put in a little bit of time and a little bit of effort and find the big school, it, it can pay off huge dividends. I mean, some of the fastest fishing you'll ever have 
is a big school of perch, you know, early or late ice season. And it's a riot catching them. You know, it's, it almost becomes a game at times because when you're on the school, it seems like at times the schools will move in circles. So they come through, they're around the area, you know, under your holes for a few minutes at a time. And you got to catch as many fish as possible while they're there. And then the school moves on, but you almost know that they're going to come back. Sometimes it almost seems like you can time them every 15 minutes or every 20 minutes, they'll be back. And then it's kind of a mad rush to see as many fish as you can catch again. So it's, it's cool and it's predictable. It's a lot of fun. The fishing can be extremely fast at times. And, um, I don't know. It's a blast. It's almost hard to explain to somebody until they actually do it. Well, you've got cameras. So literally you're sitting there with a monitor and you see all these fish under you. Yeah. And you know, the flashers and the, the sonars, you know, people, a lot of people are used to using those on ice, but if you really want to get dialed in on perch and you really want to put the hurt on them, nothing beats a camera. You can just, uh, you can see so well, you can see the school move in, you can adjust your fishing to how the fish is reacting to your bait. If you have a lot of little fish around, sometimes you can play games to keep the little fish off and sort through those without reeling them in and getting to the big fish, but you can watch them in. You can see the schools come in from a long ways away. And, uh, you know, if you got a couple people fishing with you, you can keep those fish engaged and on camera and biting for longer than normal just by kind of reacting adjusting the way you fish to the school and keeping them engaged under your holes and as fun as the cameras are they can also be really frustrating well yeah you know (laughs) a camera is not going to make them bite but it definitely helps give you an upper hand to adjust your presentation and get them to bite most days you can make some adjustments and figure out how to get them to go you can adjust your baits, your sizes. You can adjust the cadences at which you're jigging. Usually you can figure it out, but some days on camera, they simply swim right by and there's nothing you can do. <laughs> All right. So people come to see you because you talk about finding the schools. That's your job. And because Big Stone is kind of your lake, always has been. You know where those fish are. So people come to see you. I mean, what's their reaction to your setup? You've got these great shelters. You've got, you know, all the electronics, all the cameras with these screens. What do they tell you about the experience? Well, some people that's, you know, what they expect, especially more of the hardcore fishermen. That's what they want. That's what they're hiring me for. You know, that's, that's why they're fishing with me is because I have it set up, dialed in. We're going to get fish. Uh, other people that may be new to it, they, uh, they're pretty impressed. Uh, It's amazing to me how many people don't really know what ice electronics are. There's a lot of people out there that still don't know what a flasher is, or can't believe that you have an underwater camera to watch the fish. And, uh, that's kind of neat seeing their, their face when you teach them how to use a flasher when you're hole hopping and they learn how to use that piece of electronics. And then with perch, you know, the action so fast and consistent, they can grow with it really quick. They can get good with the electronics in the course of just a couple hours. You know, sometimes people, especially kids, they catch on to it in a few minutes. Um, with uh, the cameras, it's pretty straightforward. You watch the fish come in, 
you see your jig on the camera, the fish comes up, slurps up the jig, and you set the hook and reel them in. There's nothing to it. Yep. So that's that's ideally how it goes. But yeah, that's that's the electronics. And some people, you know, it, to me, I kind of take it all for granted. I'm used to the fish houses. I'm used to the electronics. I've got the snowmobiles. But for a lot of people, it's an entirely new experience for them. Um, I take out people from all over the country. I've had, uh, like last year, I had guys come up from, California, they saw John Madden, the tribute to John Madden on uh, Thanksgiving. You know, John Madden, the football coach, football player. They saw a tribute to him for football on Thanksgiving, watching the football game. And they lived in Southern California, San Diego. They saw this and they thought, man, we need to go try ice fishing. So they looked up ice fishing, Minnesota, found my number, called me up and I took him out. We went out on snowmobiles. We set up the portable fish houses cut the holes in the ice, put the cameras down. They were getting perched. They were getting walleyes. They got the full effect, the full experience. And, uh, you know, they thought it was great. It was kind of a bucket list thing to them. So um, that's that's kind of cool to me. It was kind of surprising. You know, how, how do you not know what it is? But it, to a lot of people, it's a totally new thing. The other thing that I think is important, you've talked about this before, the lake changed a lot. The perch are here, but they weren't always as prolific. No. So to give you a little background on the changes on Big Stone through my eyes is definitely Big Stone in the 90s was a top walleye destination in the Midwest. And it was bringing in big tournaments from, you know, all over for walleyes. And it was bringing in a lot of just fishermen. Guys were coming from all over the place to fish Big Stone, partially because it was also a border water. It was open two weeks uh, sooner than the rest of the Minnesota lakes. So you know, opening day on Big Stone, it, the amount of walleye fishermen and walleye boats in town, it was crazy. I mean, there was boats all over. The landings were full. Like the opening of walleye fishing on Big Stone in the 90s was an event. It was it was almost like a holiday. And as the years have gone by, the walleye numbers in Big Stone have gone down. But what's happened is, is they've been replaced by this incredibly booming perch population. And there's a couple of reasons for that. And one of which I noticed in the early 2000s, I noticed uh, there just seemed to be more weed growth in the lake. And I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg here, whether it was the weeds coming up and improving water clarity, or maybe it was improving water clarity, allowed more weeds to come up. But either way, there was more weeds in the lake in the early 2000s that I noticed. And then as we got to like 2010, about a decade or so ago, Big Stone was introduced with curly leaf or curly leaf pondweed was introduced into Big Stone and it took off. In that curly leaf pondweed, being that Big Stone is such a shallow body of water, its basin is generally 12 to 14 feet deep. That curly leaf pondweed basically grows wall to wall and it starts growing in the fall and it grows under the ice throughout the winter. And then in the spring, it takes off like a rocket in May and June. And then by the end of June, the curly leaf pondweed dies off. The wind blows it out and the lake is empty in July and August that those weeds are all gone. But what it's done is it's created some incredible habitat for, oh, <laughs> I got a pike coming through right now. It's Are you ice fishing? Are you on yeah, the ice right yeah, now? Yeah, <laughs> it's it took my bait. <laughs> <laughs> you rascal. 
but it's created some some wild opportunity for the perch and the panfish, and they've absolutely taken off out on Big Stone, and um, it, it it just keeps growing and growing. It seems like every few years you hear the DNR say, "Oh, there's more perch than there was last year," and it just it keeps going. And the perch population has been absolutely booming out there. And so what it's created is this excellent perch fishery. And it's not like a South Dakota perch fishery. You don't get these jumbo 14-inch, 15, 16-inch perch that you do out in the glacial lakes of South Dakota or North Dakota. But what it has is it has a very large population of eater-sized perch, those 9 to 10-inch perfect eater-sized fish. So that's what's going on in Big Stone. In the last couple of years, last few years, there's been a huge boom in the bluegill population as well. In the bluegills, there's not nearly as many as there are perch, but what Big Stone has for bluegills is giants, and they're very big fish. And so what's been cool about that is we go out perch fishing, and then we get into some of these real trophy bluegills. Like getting 10-inch bluegills on trips with me is pretty common, and I mean, it's a daily occurrence, but we also pretty regularly get fish that top 11 inches and I've seen fish that have that have been true mind blowers caught with me out there so we've got some incredibly large bluegills in that lake which is really cool to see wow so right. it's, it's a very gonna... different lake than what it used to be and you've got it figured out I like to think that <laughs> I try to stay on, on top of it as best I can. So are you, um, fairly well booked during winters or do you have lots of open spaces where people can get to you? No, um, the summer, the summer I'm out almost seven days a week. I mean, I mean, from May until November, it's almost seven days a week, but winter it's about, four days a week so i still have plenty of openings in winter but you know winter is a different deal than the summer winter is a lot of work but the cool thing about the ice fishing is i'm the one doing all the work so the people that are coming fishing with me they they get to do the fun stuff i'm the one doing the heavy lifting i'm the one finding the fish setting everything up the people that fish with me they're the ones that are hopefully just catching mm -hmm. and and the name of your guide service, Laguna. It's, it's Laguna Guide Service. And the reason I came up with that name is I didn't come up with that name. That's where kind of where I grew up in Ortonville. Uh, we've get, we had a cabin on the lake. We have a cabin on the lake on Big Stone. And it was at Laguna Beach. So when I was trying to come up with a name for my guide service, I thought about doing Ryan Kelly guide service or Ryan's fishing or something like that. And I thought, why don't I just take the name of the place where I spent so much time and learned so much of my fishing and had so many good times at. So I went with Laguna guide service. And that's See, spelled Laguna L-A-G two O's L-A-G-O-O-N-A. And I think that's what I love about your story, right? It's, it's simple and it's small town. You go into Artie's bait shop and there's a picture of you as a kid. <laughs> Xerox hanging on the wall, yeah. with a pile of walleyes. Artie who runs the shop says, Oh, that Ryan, he's something else. Like everyone knows you it's, it's small town. And when your name comes up, 
people smile. I just think that's awesome. Oh, I'm glad they're smiling. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, small town will keep you in check. It, uh, everybody kind of looks out for everybody and, you know, it, it keeps you grounded. So Ortonville has been an incredible place to grow up. I couldn't, uh, very happy that my dad decided to raise me in that town. I had a lot of fun out there. And I continue to have a lot of fun out there with the ice fishing now, too. All right. We need to thank a few more sponsors. But when we come back, yes, you're a professional guide, but you still love to fish. And you've got a little adventure. I want to talk about a trip you took just a couple weeks ago. Sound like a deal? Yep. Ryan Kelly is my guest today, and you are listening to the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. I'm Bill Shirk, the man about the woods, and we need to thank a couple of sponsors. Up first, North Dakota Tourism. We are already talking about ice fishing, but you know what? The fall hunting season is not even close to being over which is why I want to talk to you a little bit about North Dakota, because North Dakota, here we come. The most recent bird counts are in from the biologists, and they report the number of pheasants observed, 65 birds per 100 miles of roadway. That is up 61% from last year, and the brood numbers are up 70%. All that means is world-class upland hunting in North Dakota. Over on the waterfowl side, 2023 was one of the wettest springs that state has had on record. That means an estimated 3.4 million breeding ducks. That number is also up from last year. You add to that North Dakota's plots program, which includes 800,000 acres of private land that is open to public walk-in hunting, and you have your spot just waiting for the perfect hunt. Make memories in North Dakota. Plan your adventure just like we do at hellond.com. Also, a shout out to Star Bank. Hi, everybody. Ron Shera here again with another nifty story, this one about my favorite bank, the story of Starbank. There's 10 of them in Minnesota, but here's where the plot thickens. A star bank is more than money. A star bank cares, cares about its customers, cares about the community, whether it's town parades or the kids' baseball team. Why? Because star banks are locally owned. They treat you right. Quite a tale, wouldn't you say? How do I know? Because Star Bank is also our bank at Ron Share Productions. Just another story with a happy ending. Star Bank, the bank that cares. Member FDIC. To learn more online, go to star.bank. We'd also like to thank the Minnesota Propane Association. This message is brought to you by the Minnesota Propane Association. Clean, affordable, reliable energy. These are all the things that people want for their homes and businesses. The one source of energy in Minnesota that can offer all of these benefits is propane. Clean. Propane produces 43% fewer emissions than the equivalent amount of the electricity generated from the U.S. grid. Affordable. According to the U.S. Department of Energy, propane costs approximately 30% less than electricity in the U.S. The savings in Minnesota can even be higher. Reliable. Propane is energy stored on site, independent of the grid. Propane can power your home or business anytime you need it. 
Energy. Propane is a direct energy source used at your home or business, unlike electricity, which is produced somewhere away from your home. By the time electricity gets to your home, 66% of the energy used to produce it is lost. That is why propane is approximately three times more efficient than electricity. Propane, the right energy right now. For more information on what propane can do for you and the environment, go to propane.com. Okay, back to the story. Ryan Kelly, proprietor of Laguna Guide Service, which is uh, a wonderful little ice fishing service over on Big Stone Lake is my guest today. Ryan, you do the guiding, but you also still love to fish. Uh, And as we were kind of doing a little discussion to get ready for the podcast, you talked about an absolute bucket list trip that you take every fall. Where were you and what happened? Well, one of my, you know, I get asked by a lot of people on my trips, what is your favorite thing to fish for? What, what do you like to go? And throughout the year, there's all sorts of different things that I like to target. Like currently as, as we speak, I'm sitting here, uh, sight fishing for big pike with uh, minnows through a spear hole. But in the fall, something that's on my mind and throughout the season, something that's on my mind all year is going up to Lake Superior and going out to Isle Royal and looking for big lake trout up shallow when they're up spawning or when they're pre-spawn. And that is such an epic trip because you're you're taking your boat out from the minnesota side and typically what i'm doing is i'm driving 35 to 55 miles and i'm going to reefs around this island and i'm looking for big lake trout that are staged around these reefs and we go for them a few different ways we like to uh jig for them like to cast for them but ultimately probably the most productive way is trolling for them. And I mean, we get some really nice fish up there, 36, 38 inch lake trout. And we get a lot of fish that are 39, 40, 41, 42. And we've had a couple fish that have been 43, 43 and a half inches up there. So we get some real giants as well. And you're out on your boat. It's not like you're on a big, um, Oh, you know, cabin cruiser. You're in no, your fishing boat. No, no, it's a 21-foot Ranger. It's a walleye boat. And that that's part of what's cool about it. I mean, it's such an adventure. So there's a lot of planning that's involved with this. I live about seven, seven hours from Grand Portage, Minnesota, or six hours from Grand Portage. So typically, if I want to leave at sunrise, I am leaving my house at about midnight. I leave my house, I start driving all the way up there, I get up there, get ready, have my boat on the water at sunrise, and I start crossing Lake Superior to get out there. But you got to watch the wind. It's so important to know uh, what the wind has been doing to see what the residual waves are out there, but also knowing which direction and the wind speed for throughout the day. And then you also want to really be careful and watch what's coming ahead of you as well, or um you know, while the the next day, because sometimes those fronts get pushed ahead. So you don't want to be out fishing, you know, 55 miles out and have a front come up, you know, a couple hours sooner than you thought it was going to. So there's a lot of planning involved. All right. So is this a, is this a one fish a day trip, five, a dozen? I mean, what's the fishing like? You reel them in until you're worn out. <laughs> so lots of fish. Seriously. 
Seriously. Yeah. I mean, we, we've had days where it's been a little bit tougher, but all it takes is an adjustment. And once you've figured it out again, they're back on, um, like one instance he had was last year we went out there and it got glass calm on us. Absolutely slick. And something I learned years ago, and I don't know if this goes throughout the summer, but it definitely is the thing in the fall is if you're too low that the lake trout simply won't, uh, they won't look at your bait. You've got to be up above their head. They need to come up and, and find the bait. So last year we were out, uh, we were trolling, we were doing kind of my, my setup that I generally do when there's, there's almost always chop on Lake Superior, but, uh, it was glass calm that day and we just weren't catching them. And so I thought, well, let's put, let's put a bait on a planer board, just, you know, a couple feet below the surface, like four feet down. And we did that and it was just game on. We switched the other boards over to that and it was one fish after another again. And like I said, it, it's not really the, the numbers may not seem incredible to you, but they fight so hard. They just never give up. The lake trouts are such bulldogs that it takes a long time to get one in. So if you catch 10 lake trout in a day, you may think of it as bass fishing. Well, 10 maybe not be, may not be that impressive, but if you reel in yourself 10 lake trout in a day, you are gassed. You are absolutely worn out. Mm-hmm. And some people can do more than that, but I'm not kidding. Usually if, if I have people on the boat and they reel in five lake trout, they're like trying to hand the rod off to somebody else. You get 38, <laughs> 40, 42 inch lake trout. You get a couple of those in an hour. You are, you are tired. <laughs> like you want a break. So I would say in a typical day, we're probably in my boat. I, I can't even quantify it for you, Bill. We've literally had many, many, many times. We'll have multiple times throughout the day where we'll have multiple go- boards go back while trolling. Three to four boards will will be out, and we've had three boards go back many times at one time, and we've occasionally had four boards, all four of them go back at the same time. So it's it's so much fun. But uh, you would think there would be a lot of people doing it, but it's such a pain getting out there that uh, it's right. kind of the secret that almost keeps itself. And you love it. That's the point. Absolutely of like, love it. it it's Absolutely one of your love favorite it. things on planet Earth. You know, the memories that you gain while doing the lake trout fishing, it's just, it's such big water and it's such breathtaking views and you're going on this massive island and there's big lighthouses out there and you're out there all day and you never see another boat and you look in the water and you can visually see 20 pound plus lake trout swimming away from the boat when you go across some of these shallow reefs and you see the the herring, the lake herring it, by the thousands, just these massive schools of them that are going from 100 feet of water all the way up close to the surface and when you drive the boat through them, you can like see them split off away from the boat. And you can watch lake trout just under the surface chasing those herring. Like you don't forget those things. It's burned into your memory forever. And it's so cool. I love it. Well, maybe someday the phone <laughs> will ring. I think we can make that happen. I just, you talk about seeing the fish. You said shipwrecks. You see those? Yeah. So 
when it gets really calm, one of my favorite things to do at the end of the day, when my buddies and I and my friends that I take out there are tuckered out, we like to go and before sunset, go to a couple of these reefs and go look for parts and pieces of shipwrecks. And uh, by the Rock of Ages Reef and Rock of Ages Lighthouse, there's a few of them that are up in really shallow water. Like you can see them 10, 15 feet down, but you can see anchors and chain boxes and huge rudders. I mean, the rudder on, on the, that you're seeing down there is as big as my boat. You know, these are 300 foot ships that sank a hundred years ago by getting beached up on these reefs that are out in the middle of nowhere seemingly. And uh, they're just big rock reefs that come up from hundreds of feet of water to three, four feet below the surface. And you can see these parts and pieces of massive shipwrecks down there. It's really cool. It's so neat. It's got to be calm. Like you can't do it with any wind because it's kind of sketchy being up on top of the reefs. But when it's really calm, you can go up there and see them. And it, it's, it's neat. It's kind of spooky, but it's neat. I love it. It is that passion that translates from Lake Superior to Big Stone. You still love fishing. Oh, I get a gas out of it. Like I say, I'm working today, but right now I'm just doing one of my favorite ice fishing things, fishing through a spear hole for uh, sight fishing northerns. I, I just can't get enough of it. I'm ate up by the fish, I guess. The story of a guide from Ortonville, Minnesota, Big Stone's Ryan Kelly. I love it. Well, good luck this season. I know we've got some warm weather coming, which could um, have a little negative impact on our ice. So be safe, but we're going to have ice and the fishing's going to be good. Always is. Always is. You know, there's no bad days when you're out on the lake. Well, Ryan, thanks for the visit today. and. Uh, Hope to see you sooner versus later. <laughs> Me too, Bill. Thank you. So that about does it for the Minnesota Bound podcast today. The stories behind the stories. I'm Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. And before we get out of here, we want to thank all the great sponsors who help get the podcast to you each week. Up first, our friends at Connecticut. Also, Heat Hog, Lakes Gas. The Minnesota Propane Association, North, North Dakota Tourism, and Starbank. Until next week, as we always say, don't forget to introduce a kid to the great outdoors. We're out. Mm-hmm.